Welcome to Before You Tank, thriving in an industry that sucks. We say it sucks because 98% will fail. Our mission is to make sure you don't. Welcome everybody out there. I'm hoping people have shown up by now. Um, this is um, Before You Tank. Um, it's our version of how to help you thrive in an industry that can suck. Um, we talked about that a little bit last week, but we're goal and our mission we've decided in our first show is that we want to hear those stories of where you overcame a suck so that you <laughs> saved money, you, you, you got a deal, you saw something in a better way. So I think we've agreed that's our hope and our dream for all of you. And so we hit on a subject last week, our first time out, um, on how important this is in this industry to not be linear. You guys, I've, I've been doing this for 30 plus years, and that's hard to believe I know looking 35, but, <laughs> but I started as a young child, that's right. better pass the fire, and so I've gone from there. Um, so actually, I, I literally have written a book, I've told my story about my big deal, I got 4.1 million down and a $31 million royalty structure, and it taught me a ton, and so I wrote what I think we all do. We get a pat, we get an idea, we go and get it patented, then we go and get a product developer like Puan, and then we, hopefully, we have something that now we start to sell. And some people will pay for tooling, and they'll get a garage full of inventory, and now you've borrowed from all of your friends and family who don't speak to you anymore because it's been three years or four years, and then maybe you track down somebody like me. And so even in my books, I wrote how to do it in that order. And in the last years, and I don't know if it's because, I don't know if Kickstarter maybe? I think, I think you're actually hitting on something super important, right? Because as we think about it, when you wrote the book, and you know, previously, that was a pretty good you know. Uh, it was a really good follow, way and simplified right? way to but get going. The, even the technology that has changed this industry in the last 10 years, right? Rapid prototyping, 3D printing. None of that stuff was available, you know, when you started, right? right? Kickstarter didn't exist when you started. No. So the not. tools have changed, the methodologies have changed, technology is advancing faster than ever. And so you have to really change your approach a little bit to accommodate that because the rest of the market's accelerating. And I'm so excited that you say that because as we sit here, you know, starting down this path, I do notice that in the last three to four years, anytime I work with somebody, I always get buyer feedback. And so I've noticed the feedback is different and maybe it's because there's so many more opportunities and products and easier to get accessible to. So having said that, let's hit really clear so everybody understands what we mean by non-linear. So I want you to look at your product now as I have this really cool idea and now I want to see if it can be patented, but I just want to check it out. I want to see if there's been anything that's out there so I'm not infringing and that I can get some protection. Um, but I'm not jumping to patent it and protect it. Then I want to go to my Pawan and I want to go to him and say, look, this is exactly what I'm building and why I'm building it. Can it be done? And you're going to tell me, oh, we can do this. We can do it better and cheaper because that's what you do really, really well. But you're going to give me a quote and I'm still not going to spend that money yet. Yep. I'm now going to go to somebody like myself or I'm going to go actually to for myself. I like buyer feedback for market research. So I want you to know that you can patent it. I want you to know that it can be developed and, and built, obviously, affordably to make a profit. And then I want you to find out if anybody would even buy the freaking thing. And you haven't spent any money, right? That's the best part is we've spent no money. So for me, market research means 
don't call all your friends. <laughs> Put them on the spot. <laughs> Make them say, hey, yeah, I love it. I'd buy Ted. I want you to ask somebody that it's going to make a difference, somebody in that industry. And so for me, the reason I like buyers, because I know, Keith, you do a lot of online. You can do pre-sales and that kind of testing. But I like a buyer because their whole job is to spend a whole lot of money to sell this product to somebody else, which is really what you do, right? What your yeah. dream is. And they usually have more experience. They have the backing of a big company. So their feedback to you, if they would take it, it's hugely powerful. Yeah. And if they come back to you and say, absolutely not. And if you're nice and you ask them why, they will tell you. Yeah. And so sometimes they'll tell me why they change it and what they'll do. Imagine that. Change it and it will sell. Oh my God, you've spent no money. And I have to tell this one example because I know, Keith, you have the best story, but I got to tell this great example. You guys, I helped a kid in a mentoring program and he had a sugar dispenser. It was a manual sugar dispenser. So it was really cool. He hated seeing packages when you go to Starbucks oh, and make yeah. a mess. Mm -hmm. And so he had this dispenser. And in my head, you could, even my attorney said, you really can't patent it. It's already been done. He just wouldn't let it go. He'd borrow money after money from his parents. But he did a rendering, not a prototype, because a prototype would have cost $15,000. And so he did this really cool rendering. And I could not get him to live, leave it alone. Like, walk away, walk away. He wouldn't. I put him in my car, and we went to Five Star. You guys, Five Star is the company that puts coffee in office buildings. So they're yeah. freaking huge. We knock on the door, and shocking to me, the, the right guy was there, and he let us in. So we sat down with the guy who would buy the sugar dispenser, and he said... Oh my God, we've been looking for this because it was manual and they had started a new trend in office buildings. So they were called like kind of micro markets. And so it it's where you kind of, where you have a camera now and you can go and buy things and pay yourself without having to have a cashier. Right. And the reason they loved his sugar dispenser is because it could fit on the counters and people could get it monitored so they're not stealing all the sugar. <laughs> Didn't have to be plugged in. They loved it. The buyer now tells us not only that he loves it, he I ask him what we need, he'll pay for it, how would a rollout go? You guys, I'm loving this and, and I'm in total shock. All of a sudden, he looks at this rendering and he says to my client, how tall is it? And my client goes, oh, it's 19 inches. The guy folds up his laptop and literally stands up. And I'm like, what just happened? And he said, listen, it's gotta be 17 inches to go under the cabinet. And he's like, it won't fit. And I'm like, sit down. It's a <laughs> rendering. We will make it 17 inches for it to work. And then from there, we had a deal. And so imagine he would have spent another $15,000. Instead, he got some guy on Fiverr to make this beautiful rendering. So that's my story. Sorry, go ahead now. And it's so funny me. you mentioned that, right? Because so let's let's play that out. If he had if he had done that, right? He's got a product now, and he goes and shows it. Well, now there's like so much time and energy into that already. Money. Know, maybe you wouldn't have had that conversation because you've been so focused on your prototype. But something interesting you mentioned in that story as well is that, you know, he just didn't like seeing the packets or whatever started him down that path. And it sounds like the, the buyer was like, I just don't want people stealing all this stuff. Exactly. Right. So like you almost you get such an interesting, you know, perspective of like, I never thought of that, right? Until you actually talk to that buyer or the person who's actually gonna make your product successful in mm -hmm. this case, which is pretty and, wild. And so profound that you say that because for my client, it was clutter and mess. Yeah. But when he found out what the real problem is for the people in the industry that would purchase his product, 
He now is solving the real problem, yep. which is now you can go back yeah. to a Pawan, <laughs> a product designer, and now you're going to create a real product. And you guys, don't you think your odds of success have just risen through the roof? Mm -hmm. And you haven't spent any money. Yeah, I think that's what, again, goes back to something I keep saying it. Know your why. Why you're developing it. Like, you need to understand. You need to have open-minded, as we discussed earlier, like you need to understand your customer. You need to listen to customer because you might have one thing in your mind, but is that the real problem you're trying to solve? And then people come to the product. A lot of time what I've seen is people just have an idea and they go to, okay, this is my idea and go to product developer and design this product. And once I have this MVP or prototype ready, then I'll go to the market and pay that. I mean, you're already spending 15, six, 15, $30,000 for prototyping, which you may not have to spend it if you can just have simple rendering as in your case. And, and so tying that all back into like those three elements we started with, right? If you were to have gone and said, okay, here's my patent. I already did it. I built this thing. I went and I showed the buyer and he's like, too tall. And now what, right? I've got to go redesign, you know, am I designing it according to the claims in my patents, right? So imagine that on a more complex product. What if you had gotten all the way down that path and now you've got to go either design something different, design it that doesn't align with the patent, you know. So there's so many opportunities to really just get yourself into a great position to know that A, the market likes this product right. before I've invested all this money, whether it be patenting or prototyping or whatever, and B, my claims align, right? We'll probably get into that. I'm sure we can get a patent attorney to really, really dig into exactly. those details. But then, you know, is, is this product you know, creatable, makeable in a, in a way that's like fits the fits the target market and fits mm -hmm. the price point. And you guys, I, I hate to use the term, but fake it till you make it because it's like you can do every bit of that. Seriously, every bit of that before you've invested your own money, much less ask and borrow money. I have to share another great story because I am the queen of stories. But <laughs> I was at an event and there was a woman who spoke and I can't tell you what her legal type of attorney she is. There's a term for her. But she spoke on this exact issue. When Keurig, God, I seem to be a fan of Keurig, but when Keurig <laughs> was developing, <laughs> it is, I'm a, you guys, Starbucks every time. Um, I am such a fan of, um, of, of this story because when Keurig was developing, you guys, they did a launch and it really didn't do well. And then they started adding more development, more development. And at the end of two years, when they went to take it to market, they had forgotten to add the K-cup to the patent. The K-cup, which is like the gold mine, right? It's kind of like saying, I built my sugar dispenser, but you can only buy sugar from me. I mean, you're home free. And so that's why you guys, have you ever noticed when you go on the shelf, it's in every flavor and every brand. And so here's this woman teaching us that story. And I'm thinking, oh my God, but I see it every single day. And so when they're developing with you, on when somebody's making those changes because a buyer says wow you're really solving the problem of people stealing the sugar mm -hmm. not the mess yep. now you're developing something that actually works now you go to your patent attorney and he works with your developer and you guys are literally patenting the patenting the right product how freaking cool is that and then, like you said, we'll talk about the cheap ways to patent to save you some money down the road. Yeah, and that saves you, doing that saves you a lot of money in prototyping or product development side, which you don't need to spend. I mean, otherwise, you can develop with the product with a lot of features just to find out those features is not going to 
bring any value to the market. So you're going to de-feature your product and that means you're wasting so much time, money. Oh my God, that's so there. brilliant because I, I have a client who's developing a product and I've begged her to do market research, but she's not ready. She wants to do branding. She wants to do all this stuff. And that's my biggest fear is that it's so competitive in her industry that if you went to a buyer, the buyers, you guys have to ask though, because they don't like to say negative things. So you have to ask, but I can ask a buyer and say, is there a reason what you like? Or they'll say there's a lot on the market. And I can say, well, is there something that would make it stand out? And they yeah. will teach you that feature to add so that you have a fighting shot. So that's such a good point too, because I think the natural inclination for all of us, right, is to ask the people closest to us, which is great. You need those people. Don't get me wrong. They are super important because they're like your cheerleader, your core. When things get tough, you go to them, they're going to encourage you to keep going. But they're also going to tell you, like, they're going to encourage you, right? Like, yeah, this is great. You're you know, not going to say, you're yeah. saying behind you Very back. rarely. Very rarely. Now we're going to get those out <laughs> They don't want to discourage you. We are right. close yeah, people. They just want to make sure you think great. But negative. that defeats the purpose of doing the market study because you really need to know what's out in the market. Right. Yeah, the people who are going to be the buyers, right? And so you only have one mom and one dad. Or whatever it looks like, but you're really going to try to sell this to thousands and thousands of people. So talking to, in your case, buyers, right? Their job is literally to buy products that make money. So if they're good at their job, they're going to know exactly what. And it's amazing. And what's not? It's amazing. I've had people literally send me back the exact product I sent them, going, "Well, isn't this exactly it? It's been on the market for years." I do want to address something, though, that I think is really, really important. And I've heard this a lot from product developers. So, Pawan, you can tell me. Um, and most of the time, it's because they're, an inventor hasn't really gotten outside feedback. He's done what every inventor says. I've, I've talked to everybody, and they all love it. And years ago, you couldn't do that because then you'd, you wouldn't get to patent it. You'd be in trouble. But, um, but they'll go to their product developer, and I hear this that they'll go to the product developer and they'll lay it out. And the product developer will make some suggestions to them. Um, and I have some really good product developers that I work with that do try to do some real market research. Um, and, and, I, and, I, and I just wanna hit on this really quick. When you're talking to a product developer and they are designing something that you already have a patent on, which we're asking you not to get your patent yet, but what I'm saying is if you already have a patent, you guys, he needs to see that. He has to develop according to what you patented. So I just, I, I know that's kind of a little bit thrown in there, but I want people to understand that because you guys, there's a hundred ways now to, you can use a laser, you can use a sensor, you can use to do things. And if it's already patented under a sensor, you got to come up with a magnet or something else. So that's really important. So I, I, I just want to mm -hmm. make that clear. So I hear from these product developers that they'll they'll do some feedback and they'll look at their patent and they'll be ready to help them and they'll make suggestions and inventors refuse to budge. They're like, no, I know in my head it's totally gonna work. And they'll ask me, they'll like, how do I deal with that? And I my clients, by the time they pay me to get them that market research, they're open and ready, right? They're obviously looking. So I, I, I think what I'm praying for is that maybe because it comes from the product developer that people are not they're not buying into what you're saying that maybe it's more legitimate maybe when it comes from a buyer 
What's your guys' take on that? What do you think? Like, how do we how do we get an, an inventor to be kind of open-minded, you know, that we're in the industry, we kind of know the changes? I mean, is that, how, how do you that's see a, that? That's a tough one because inventor, for any inventor, the product is their baby, which is perfect. Definitely. And no baby's ugly. We and all they, know that. No baby, and they don't want to change it. So even if, and they have something in the mind and maybe they missed something on the patent or they created some specific way and they product developer look at to that patent and say, okay, this is what changes you need to do based on your documentation. And they say, no, but that's my vision. Right. That's they won't let go of the vision. And I think it's a tough one. I, you just need to really focus on, focus with them about what it's there. And again, going back to Inventor needs to be open-minded to listen to every to feedback. listen to it. So, so can we can we agree then, audience, that you would be open-minded enough <laughs> to get feedback from somebody like a buyer because they're living it. They've right. got the technology. Where I can see where you might be saying to your product developer, you know, you just develop products, you don't actually sell them. Um, Maybe we could get people to write in and say, look, I took this seriously and now I'm going to put it out to somebody. Because you guys nowadays, you can email anybody, LinkedIn, look them up, ask. Would you be, everybody like say they'll agree to listen to somebody like a buyer to get that feedback? That's something important, right? It's kind of getting that that right person for the feedback too, right? And we touched on that. But in a sense, right, a buyer is going to be different than, you know, just random people that you talk to, right? So the buyer has got that particular unique. Experience. So they have data, if you will, right. in the background that says, oh, well, I've bought, you know, so many hundred products and they've done this well. And so that comes from like this data informed decision. So now if you're the inventor, you can start to use some of those real data points to you know, move all things forward in tandem. Right. You've got your market research, you've got your patent stuff and your development, and they're kind of moving forward together. And so if one of them says, hey, we got to shift then everybody goes with it. Exactly. And that's kind of the the commitment I'm hoping people out there will yep. take that to heart, that they'll make that decision. And, and, and not necessarily, or at least if your product developer makes a suggestion, at least feel it out, right? At least maybe take that opportunity to understand why and whatever. So, mm-hmm. right? Well, so yeah, and that's the beauty, right? So let's say you've got a great line open to a, a buyer or something and they've said, hey, make these changes. Product developer says, well, that's going to cost a majillion dollars, but what if we do this, right? What if we tweak here and there? Mm-hmm. Here's how we solve it. And then you, you come can go back, back, right? Go back, exactly. get that data and say, what about this? And exactly. so before you've, you know, before you've invested all that money into a patent or, you know, done your first prototype, you've got or this. have tooling and an inventory oh, in your garage. That's, that's like wasting your money that you don't have in future. And going back to money, one thing that you have to realize is buyer is the person who's going to pay for your invention. So he's the money. So if you don't listen to your money... You, how are you going to make money in future? And even if you take a different route, like let's say you sell online. I was going to say, online, is there another right? solution to test that? The, but getting that buyer feedback, even if you are just selling online, right? Because they know what a product looks like that's successful. And so you're still selling, but maybe now it's a different channel. Mm-hmm. But that insight is still going to be incredibly I valuable. see. I don't know who else to use that has that much data, like you said, experience, all yeah. that you can get other data for sure, right? So you can do surveys, you can do, you know, focus, focus groups, groups right. you can actually try a pre-sale or, you know, 
a, a really light and quick way. It'd be get people to sign up and give you their email for interest, right? So you can gauge interest that way and you can get some good data cool. back, but it's not the same as 10 years of experience of buying this kind of product and making them successful. And, and they're literally going to write you a big check. You know what I mean? That's how I look at it because they're going to resell your product, which yeah. means they're investing in your business with you. And you guys, when I told you guys on the first show, and I probably mentioned it all the time, sorry, but my claim to fame deal, the reason I got $4.1 million down with a $31 million royalty deal is because I got 7-Eleven and Winn-Dixie to commit with a letter of intent that if you, because I only had drawings and a small sample. So they said, yes, if this really looks like this, we're going to buy 9 million pairs. And one of them was going to buy like 11 million pairs that year. So I already knew my profit was a dollar a piece. I already knew I had 20 million pairs sold. It made it so fun to make that deal come together. And you guys, that still happens. Mm -hmm. yeah. Buyers say, I like this product. And, and Keith, you know, as many times as I've called you about sell sheets, I can work off a sell sheet. I don't, as long as it can show what your product's gonna look like, like the rendering, you guys, you know, what's 100 bucks in graphics, yeah. we're done, and you can get that feedback. And don't hear what we're not saying, right? Because we all know that you have to have a great plan for product development. You've gotta get those requirements. You've gotta do that step. You've gotta do the marketing step. You've gotta do all these steps. It's just about how you get started and not getting way out ahead of yourself on one leg of the stool without building out the others. Oh, exactly. So, so we're not missing the piece. Yep. So mm -hmm. I, I, I think we've made that really clear that everybody yep. understands because I, I know we need to wrap up, but I just want to get everybody excited to come back to our next show because you guys, we're going to teach you the one-fifth rule. And so because we know this industry sucks and we know it's a 2% success rate and we know that our biggest dream for you is that even if you realize that your product's not gonna be a hit and you're gonna walk away from it, when you can do that with the least investment in and you've taken those risks, you win. You're still yeah. a wonderful winner. Because think about that. If, even if, if you, if you use 25% of the budget that you originally allocated and realize that this is not gonna be a winning product, we still got the other 75% to try again or invest in something else as opposed to And that all needs of that. to be a whole topic. Yep. We need to have we a do. whole yeah. podcast on that, on setting out that budget. So I think by summarizing, I think what's really exciting for me is that if you understand what we said and we do this in those three-step process, you guys, you haven't spent a dime of your budget, which is so exciting unless you need help with getting to a buyer and 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 so we are here we can mm -hmm. give you some guidance um and 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 so you guys can learn that so i want us to kind of wrap up we, we want you really please we're so serious about you guys following up and say look we took this to heart we are starting out or we're fixing where we're at you know like you might already be in the middle of a quoted you know budget for 65,000 for prototyping and you've only spent 20 and you go oh wait a minute I'm gonna stop at my 20 and I'm gonna go ahead and get some market research to do this because I told you I, it was 30,000 for a product I had and the product developer did that for us for free which was really generous but I can't go big for every person so um, <laughs> so I want you to stop and structure so will you please tell us please reach out please share with us how you're surviving this industry that sucks. And you guys tune back in because I promise you this next one that we're gonna do is what we call the one-fifth rule. And it is going to change your life, I promise. Guys, give us a tip for the day and then we'll let everybody go.
I think my tip of the day is listen to your customer, listen to your buyer, be open-minded because they are the one who's giving you, going to give you feedback about real market, about your product or where you want to go. So keep your mind open for all the positive or negative feedback. doesn't matter which one it is. Right. Both, both is a win. Yes. I agree with yeah. that. I would say mine would be um, find accountability and find it early. And what that could look like is a really good friend or a business mentor or something so that as you get into these challenging things and you've got all this feedback mm -hmm. and you know, you've got, hey, we could do it this way, hey, we could do it that way, kind of that one clear voice of keeping you online with, hey, what is your why? Like, are you listening to your buyer feedback? That person asking yeah, you happened? kind of those tough questions <laughs> to say, like, are you really solving that problem you set up to solve still? Like, are you doing the right things? So that when you're deep in it and you're you know, spending all your time and energy figuring it out, they can kind of bring you back to center and help you continue down the path That's you started awesome. on. That's great advice. I actually, I never even thought about the accountability, but having that That's partner. That's really good, actually. Usually I find it's the partner, you know, like I'll get the husband to hire me and the wife trusts me. She does that for him. But I, I love that. <laughs> Mike, I think if I could give you the best tip, and I think this kind of falls into my world a lot. Um, I am the queen of fake it till you make it belief. And so I always used to ask my clients this. You have, what is your goal? Why are you doing this? And and so many times it's to get the hottest, biggest new deal. And so I would say to them, and what does that look like for you? Oh, I want 2 million, I want 20 million, I want 40, whatever that number is. And then I say to them, okay, I'm a really good friend, I'm a billionaire, we're talking, we're having drinks, and you tell me that, look, I wanna launch this product, and I wanna borrow this amount of money, will you invest in my product so that I can make this amount of dollars? And you tell me so I can make 10 million. And I'm sitting here as a billionaire going, hey, Joe, what if I just gave you 10 million? Would you just sit and we could drink all week? Would that be okay with you? And I'm shocked when I see people's faces because a lot of times they don't wanna go through all the work, they just think they want the 10 million. And so, and that's human, I get that. We all want that success, but we know it's a 2% success rate. So my vision, again, is if you fake it, put your pieces together. So when you get your provisional, it's the right provisional, and you get your product and you're building the right thing, and you're open to the feedback that says, run like hell, don't spend any money, because now you haven't. So you can sit on the beach again and envision another one. So and you, even when you have the best, I don't care if it's a unicorn product, you never have to put a lot of money into it to get there safely. So fake it on paper, ask yourself, would you invest? And then you'll go to the next step. Makes sense, right? Don't you agree that exactly. if you invest in your own product, it's easy to spend other people's money in your product, but would you truly invest? So that's my tip for the day. And that's then great. I really want you guys to tune in for this one fifth role, because if we teach you nothing else, learn this one you guys exactly thank you so much we really appreciate you guys coming